Welcome to Subscribing to Wellness, the show where Rachel Newman and myself, Daniel Fairman, sit down with leading founders, executives, and investors committed to building a healthier future for consumers. Hey listeners, I just wanted to quickly mention my favorite hydration supplement element. Hydration is a crucial part of life, and it isn't just about drinking water. Being optimally hydrated is actually about optimizing your body's fluid ratios. This fluid balance depends on many factors, including the intake and excretion of electrolytes. Electrolytes are charged minerals that conduct electricity to power your nervous system. They also regulate hydration status by balancing fluids inside and outside your cells. Current science points to consuming four to six grams of sodium, three to 0.5 to five grams of potassium, and 400 to 600 milligrams of magnesium per day from diet and supplements for optimal health outcomes. It can be hard to consume these ranges from whole food diets, especially sodium. Element was formulated with a science-backed electrolyte ratio 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. Just as important as what is put in element is what is left out. Dodgy ingredients and public health enemy number one, sugar. I've been consuming the product for about a year and absolutely love it. And if you want to get started today, you should go to drinkelement.com slash subscribing to wellness for a special introductory deal on your first order. That's drinkelement, L-M-N-T, dot com slash subscribing to wellness. You won't regret it. Our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. I drink AG1 first thing in the morning. It's the very first thing I put in my body before anything else. I personally love drinking it with fresh squeezed lemon juice. It makes me feel ready to take on my day. It's my personal start button and my body craves it daily. It has become an absolute staple in my routine. I originally gave AG1 a try because I was so tired of taking all these different supplements and I needed something simple that I could stick to. It's a routine that stays with me no matter where I go. The travel packs make it so easy and allow me to feel grounded no matter where I am. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash STW. That's drinkag1.com slash STW. Check it out. Today on Subscribing to Wellness, we are joined by founder and president of Seven Sundays, Hannah Barnstable. Seven Sundays is redefining the cereal aisle and breakfast time. The company is a certified B Corp and all of their products are allergen friendly. The company started as solely a muesli brand and now in addition to selling muesli offers customers upcycled sunflower cereal, upcycled oat protein cereal, keto granola, and protein oatmeal. Hannah, welcome to subscribing to wellness. Thanks, Rachel. Excited to be here. Um, so your story starts way back. Unlike so many of the companies that we talked to, um, I believe 11 years ago, if I have my numbers correct over here, started as a muesli brand simply at a farmer's market. But I know the story starts before then on a trip to New Zealand. So, so take us back there. Yeah. I mean, the reality is it starts even before then, when I got into the food industry initially, it was, um, 
it was really through investment banking and working with food companies in the U.S. and, you know, alongside founders, um, touring plants and like dipping my feet in there. And I would say my curiosity around the food system in the U.S. really did start in that prior life. Um, and, you know, having grown up around food and gardens and creating healthy food from scratch, you know, a lot of the work that I was doing before I started Seven Sundays really brought into question, you know, like packaged food um, in the U.S. So, but you're, but you're absolutely right. The, the idea behind muesli and entering the cereal aisle, um, the inspiration came right after my husband and I got married. I had been working in banking for seven years with limited breaks. We took several weeks off and went camping in New Zealand and were completely inspired by a new food system over there. Um, and then as a side note, had homemade muesli every morning for breakfast at the sheep farm, turn B&B that we were staying at. Um, and so that was, that was really the start of it all. So you came back from New Zealand, food system on its head. Now, now what happens? You, do you start making the muesli at home? And like, how do we jump from that farmer's market to kind of where we are today a little bit? <laughs> right. So yeah, it wasn't immediate returned home. That's when I started going up and down cereal aisles, um, trying to find anything that could compare to what we were having. Um, and then, you know, like most people just sort of ended up turning my back on the whole aisle altogether um, because there just wasn't anything, you know, the rest of the, the rest of the grocery store was changing, but the cereal aisle wasn't. Um, and that, that was where the aha moment was, was like, you know, here, we know the way that we start there, our day matters. You know, I grew up with the same, you know, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Like it sets your tone and the things that we're offering in that aisle are just, they, they don't match, um, you know, this, this hierarchy of like breakfast being so important. So um, I had a big idea. I did want to come up with a brand that could totally rethink that breakfast aisle. Um, so I up and quit my job. Like you said, I, I started, mixing batches and, um, you know, selling this muesli style, my recipes, I started calling local farmers, you know, organic and regenerative farmers who would drop bags of rye flakes and barley flakes off at my house. And I just started to make stuff and sell it. Um, and yeah, that was 11 years ago. It was just me. Um, I always say seven Sundays, was my firstborn. Um, we started a family shortly after my son was, so my son is 10 now, almost 11. Um, but that was how I started the business. Yeah. Does your son, does your son know that he's actually not the oldest child? <laughs> <laughs> I think he actually does have an appreciation for where, you know, seven Sundays fits into our family, but they are, you know, I think for the most part, the kids now, three of them are are really on board and it's, it's become such a fun thing, you know, for our yeah. family. There are yeah. number one testers. That's for sure. I mean, kids don't lie. Right. So um, we've got a good sounding board there when we come up with new things. I'm I'm curious to to just side note here, where did the name come from? No, that's a great question. Um, you know, in the U.S., I feel like Sunday is the one day that's always been a little bit more intentional, and maybe even spend more time with breakfast. Right, your Sunday morning, it's like kind of a sacred sacred time frame. And we felt like the rest of the week was sort of cut short. And we really wanted to develop a brand where you felt like every morning you could you could feel good like you do on a Sunday, like you're being intentional and that you're eating real food um, and not like cutting those corners that a lot of us do in the morning because we're short on time. 
I love that. I eat seven. I just had my bowl for breakfast this morning of seven Sundays. And I honestly like didn't even put the two and two together. I love, <laughs> I love that name. It's so intentional. Um, yeah. Okay. So seven Sundays, we're now, we've been talking about this intentionality, what makes it different. Let's like dig in a little bit of, of actually yeah. the difference. So, so tell me a little bit about ingredients and why this cereal is different than, you know, what you typically find in that cereal aisle. Yeah. So as a very curious person, um, you know, one of my things with, you know, packaged food or one of my, my points of like contention was all the food science that was involved. Um, a lot of lab created flavorings, um, you know, high intensity, zero calorie sweeteners. Um, and so one of the biggest principles behind our brand is that we only use real food, things that you would find in your kitchen. And that's been really like the, the most important thing we do, really, if I had to kind of take a step back. Um, and that's not always easy in packaged food. Um, so it, that that's where a lot of our energy and creativity goes is in sourcing and development of the products. Um, you'd think it would be in some ways easier, right? But it's it's actually not because the whole system is sort of set up, um, you know, with with these lab created flavorings and different ingredients. And a, and a consumer expectation. So um, that's been um, really a big part of our product innovation from day one. Um, I call that like people health, um, meaning very broadly, holistically, what do we think is best for long-term health for consumers? Um, and we believe that it's, it's keeping things simple and using real ingredients. Um, the other half of our brand, and it sort of aligns with Brady and I, so that I'm the people health person and Brady is what I call planet health. It's another really important pillar to our brand. Um, so I mentioned out of the gate, I was sourcing from local farmers back in the farmer's market day. Like I'm curious, I want to understand. I do believe that the way that a, a farm is kept and if, if they're taking care of soil, that that comes through not only in taste, but in also the health and the quality of the ingredient. Um, so we always say our products sort of, we kind of sit at the intersection of that people health and planet health. Um, and that we're a certified B corporation. So everything we do is with um, using our business as a force for good. And we're incredibly passionate and big believers in that our food system has a major impact on climate change and the health of the planet. And so we want to be, you know, at a minimum inspirational to other food companies um, from that standpoint. Yeah. So we've been talking about the Muesli Farmer's Market. So just my knowledge of the brand, which obviously is limited, but here we go, is you know, you started out Muesli brand 2012 selling at the farmer's market in, in Minnesota, kind of like pandemic hits. And that's kind of when you guys like really stepped on the gas with the sunflower cereal. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, so, we, so I'm just curious, like, take me through those years in between 2012 and 2020 what was happening with seven Sundays and what kind of changed in order for you to be like, wait, there's another pillar that we could, we could attack here. Yeah. I mean, we really had our work cut out for us in launching a Muesli brand in the U S it's not a widely known category. It was, you know, quite honestly, it was always on the bottom shelf. Like in the, the brands that did exist were often like the European <laughs> brands, like the Alpen and Swiss Familia. So we, we, we definitely had our work cut out for us in 
uh, we always say like we wanted to elevate that category in the U.S. because we so believed in it. I still eat muesli every single morning for breakfast. It's kind of mind blowing, but um, I do. So does my oldest. He's never switched over to traditional cereal. Are you are you a warm or cold? I'm a cold. I am like pour some cold. I make my own almond oat milk at home, pour a big splash of that on, maybe throw some raspberries. And it's just, it's, I'm a runner. I'm active. I, it's the only thing that kind of like makes me feel good, um, to this day. So that's what I do. Um, but yeah, we had our work cut out for us and, you know, we built a really nice business with the muesli. We, you know, we were profitable. We were growing every year. Um, we, we developed just really great relationships with, retailers and a loyal consumer base and everything was great. Uh, but like you said, the pandemic hit um, and we actually found ourselves ironically with three kids. It was like everyone's worst nightmare, get, you know, going to COVID with like a kindergartner and <laughs> a two year old. And, but you know, our travel was cut down drastically and we had a like kind of an epiphany with the business, which was, you know, we've got this great, business here with muesli we've elevated we're the number one muesli brand in the u.s this is super cool but we felt capped as far as really making an impact in the breakfast aisle i mean as you can imagine right like i'd walk the aisle i was so proud of our products but at the end of the day 99 percent of that aisle is still box cereal um so yeah so we decided we were sitting there and we're like could we ever make a cereal like a kind of a classic cereal but seven sunday style which seven sunday style is always the most difficult path. It's like, you know, it's got to have, you know, completely clean ingredients. It has to taste amazing. It's got to have some, like, we can't just be a me too here. Like, what can we do to further inspire around changing the food system? And that's where we came up with leveraging, uh, you know, a, a really nutrient dense ingredient, diverting it from the waste stream and turning it into this sunflower, which is, which is now our sunflower cereal. That's amazing. I, um, it's, it's literally the best tasting cereal out there. I'm allergic to just about everything. And I haven't found, been able to like really find a cereal that, that scratches my cold cereal itch. And I think what makes it so special. And I would love for you to touch upon this a little bit is like, you guys really lean into this upcycled movement. It's on your packaging. It's part of the story. It's, and, and now with the new line of your protein oats, like, I think that is is awesome what you're doing with the recycled oats and almost like taking it from your muesli. And it's like this, this even wheel that you have going on within seven Sundays. So tell me a little bit about like how you're doing that and how you're using now these oats. Cause I think it's a really interesting story. Yeah. So this, the sunflower cereal was our first launch into truly like, like really using an upcycled ingredient and also our launch, our first launch into cereal. Um, and it had its fits and starts for sure. I would say um, we're at a place with it now where it's really driving a lot of the growth of the business. Um, and, you know, people people like it. But the upcycled story behind the sunflower cereal is really kind of hidden. It's not one that most consumers pick it up and they know, you know, what's happening there. I think the 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 waste stream or the, the item that we're pulling out of the waste stream is the byproduct from sunflower oil press up here in Minnesota. Like there's a nice or, you know, all natural organic cold press sunflower mill. And um, we're using that, that byproduct after they pull the oil out. Um, the line that we literally just launched like less than 10 days ago is what you mentioned. And I, I 
am so excited about this. Um, it's our new oat protein cereal. So think like a Cheerio, but much, much better. Um, and instead of using oat flour, it's the first product that uses the byproduct from oat milk production. So most people don't realize a lot of us drink oat milk. I mean, it's oat milk is totally game changing for plant-based milk. It's creamy and it, it's, you know, has a great taste, but we don't realize that when you make it, you're squeezing the starch out of the oats and then all that protein and fiber, all those oats that are left over, there's no place for them to go right now. Literally hundreds of thousands of tons um, just being land dropped at best animal feed, but a lot of it is just being land dropped. Um, and so this cereal, and, and it's also, you know, very nutrient dense. So it's three times the protein and twice the fibers, whole oats. Um, how we came across this, um, there were, you know, a, there was a major drought across the Northern Plains last year and we buy a lot of oats. So to your point, this full circle muesli and now we're using byproduct oats. Well, we were capped with how many oats we could buy. And meanwhile, we're sitting here watching, you know, the oat milk industry take off. And, um, you know, I think we're just good listeners and, and we figured out like, Hey, we can, we can probably take some of this nutrition out of the waste stream. Um, you know, we've got to do something with the supply chain, with climate change, you know, there, there's going to be some major issues. This, is, this won't be the, the, the oat shortage from the droughts isn't going to be the first, you know, challenge we have in the supply chain in the coming years. Um, and so that's how that, that product was made. And it's, we literally, we launched it 10 days ago, just online and we sold out immediately. It was crazy. I think it's, um, I think that one the consumers will grasp the upcycled story behind it much more easily than they do the sunflower cereal. Um, and of course it, it tastes really good. And um, we have a super fruity one that is just outstanding. It, I think it's the first fruit cereal that's um, has that fruit loops, nostalgic flavor, but it has only real ingredients. So people are just going bonkers over it and um, really excited to bring that one to stores here in another month. So yummy. So yummy. I can attest. Um, so this upcycled story. So I feel like it's a lot of what we're seeing in a lot of CPG products these days. Um, you know, imperfect foods and misfits markets are are at the forefront of kind of like bringing these imperfect foods and, and whatnot. I know you guys are on there as well. Um, but a lot of consumers are a lot of consumers a don't don't necessarily know what upcycled means, but also a lot of consumers gravitate. So you have like the two sides. People are either gravitating towards upcycled because they know what it is or they don't know what it is. So I'm curious, like at Seven Sundays, tell me a little bit about like how you're using marketing techniques and what marketing techniques you're using to educate the consumer on this differentiated quality of Seven Sundays. Yeah, it, and it has been tricky and we spent a ton of time on it because I think historically upcycling for the consumer has meant, you know, stuff that was tossed and was purposefully tossed. And do we really want to be eating that again? Right. Um, and things like names like imperfect alludes to like, you know, the rotten banana that we're able to pull back out of the waste stream. Um, so it's tricky, you know, how much you and how you position these ingredients. Um, for us, of course, it's much different than that. Um, we're not necessarily taking like a defunct ingredient or one that has issues, but rather um, we're looking at the at these bigger supply chain um, opportunities where there's just simply nutrition being lost in a natural waste stream because of the demand for things like oat milk. 
Um, and so as a starting point, um, I would say we kind of, we kind of go at it from two ways. Um, the first is, um, you know, we, we talk about it from the standpoint of the change, the impact that food waste has on climate change, like very, very simply, right? Like uh, Project Drawdown has done a lot of wonderful work around talking about, you know, the impact of if you can, I mean, they've come out and said, if you can limit food waste, it's the number one thing you can do to impact climate change by more than two degrees. Um, food waste in and of itself, um, <clears throat> you know, is actually the carbon footprint of food waste is larger than the entire airline industry. So just kind of like bringing to awareness, um, you know, what the impact of food waste is. So when we're out making oat milk or sunflower oil and the demand of these products is such that it is, and we're having all this food, you know, being unused. I mean, think how beautiful a sunflower plant is and how much work goes into growing that to only remove the oil from that plant, like that sort of waste um, and doing something about that, I think, but being better stewards of our resources is is one angle that we hit. And that's that's what I would call like just highly educational. Um, the other angle is maybe a little bit more fun, which is, um, and this is new for our oat cereal, but we decided to actually create a character around this oat byproduct. And his name's Odie. Um, he now officially has a voice as of last week. It's my brother, Andy, who <laughs> works for seven Sundays. I love that. <laughs> and he is sort of like, his personality is like, you know, I was once, you know, he's relatable. I was once tossed, but now I'm back and I'm stronger than ever. And we, we actually created a little character on the ingredient to sort of say like, kind of that, you know, to kind of tug at people's heartstrings of like, you know let's give this a chance kind of, you know, like, let's bring this back. So it is, the, my point is it's, it's kind of like, those are the two angles that we're taking. It's different than regenerative agriculture and, and those efforts that we have, which you can make a direct connection to like the healthfulness or the nutrition level of an ingredient. Um, although that is a part of the story, like I mentioned, both the sunflower and the oat byproduct that we use are incredibly nutrient dense. They're full of protein because one, you're removing the oil and the other, you're removing the starch. So what's left is much higher protein and fiber. Um, so there is a little bit of that angle, but, um, those, those are the tools that we're using and it may shift because we're new to this space too. Right. And, and everybody is so. Yeah, you mentioned this mascot or character, and I think it's worth double clicking on because like you mentioned originally, like the cereal aisle that we once knew that was full of Fruit Loops and Rice Krispies and all of the, and Apple Jacks and like all of the unhealthy sugary cereals, one of the hero elements of that cereal aisle is all the characters. And everyone knows that cereal is kind of this like fun, playful box that they put on the table that their kids kind of like relate to these characters. I'm curious, would you guys ever create characters or bring the same character over to your other lines to create this <laughs> family? That's a really good question. Yeah. And we are, we are in the process of that as well as kind of looking at it from holistically to all of our products. Um, you know, we're, we're still in that high growth zone of like, okay, new product launch. Now, how does this look and how do we kind of tie that back to the other things that we've done in the past? And that, that is definitely part of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think where you can go wrong as a natural food company is being too serious. Right. And like the reality is, um, 
you know, our cereals are super fun. They're kid friendly, they're family friendly. Um, you still can have that great interaction in the morning. Um, and, you know, it was only a year ago where we really started updating our packaging to reflect like this little farm scene. Um, instead of it being all about the product to be more about the holistic seven Sundays brand, which is, you know, quite honestly, our mission, it's so much bigger than just cereal, right? So bringing some of that to life through the packaging, um, I think has honestly been a uh, fuel to our growth. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned this idea, you know, seven Sundays as a brand is, I, I think of one of the very few probably only cereal brands in the cereal aisle that like stands for much more than simply putting food on the table, you know, like B Corp doing so much good for the planet, doing so much good for the human full of nutrient dense ingredients. So you sit in that like really unique pillar. I'm curious, like who do you consider to be your competitors and who are you guys either, you know, looking at as like, I want to be this or who are you guys like looking at along shelf with you? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. And to be honest, we're doing a lot, like you mentioned, we're doing a lot of things our own way. Um, so I don't necessarily lump us into, you know, hey, this is this is the exact set or this this lineup of brands would be the ones that we compete with because especially in the cereal aisle, the innovation has been pretty specific in like a sort of a keto grain-free diet trend. Otherwise, the innovation in cereal has just been minimal, right? It's still all the big three companies. Um, so it's really difficult to even say we belong with these new innovative brands more so than we belong with like your traditional kids cereals. Because as a mom of three kids, I know that like I grew up on those cereals, but I want my kids to eat something different. I'm not going to let them touch that. Like it's got red 40 in it and like 25% of your sugar content in your breakfast. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, I guess we're kind of unique in that we don't really lift our heads up and look around all that much. We sort of like have our groove and our path that we're following and it feels obviously I'm you know, from my seat, it feels especially like we're sort of on our own path here. Um, that being said, anybody who, any consumer that is sort of a conscious consumer, you know, someone who's looking to improve their diet, um, you know, obviously they're buying, you know, other brands that are sort of aligned with that. Um, and there's, there's some, depending on where you fall on the spectrum within cereal, right? Um, purely Elizabeth is one that we've always looked really, you know, really looked up to. Um, and, um, you know, you have the newer brands like, um, you know, three wishes is a great family owned business. Um, that's doing some really good stuff for, for kids cereal. Um, you know, so there's, there's a num there's a lot of new innovation. Um, but it feels like we're sort of taking our own unique path. <laughs> No, no, no. I, I, I see that. I'm, I was curious, like, do you almost look at your partners or we can use the word competitors as just other companies, maybe not doing cereal, but doing other types of food in an upcycled or regenerative way? Like, is that kind of who you see? 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of companies that we sort of brainstorm with, you know, Quinn's is one that's doing a lot of great stuff with clean ingredients and regenerative egg. Um, you know, even interestingly, like you see what Patagonia provisions has done, you know, and they're yeah, yeah. in food, um, but what an inspiration they know they're seeing how much the food system, you know, does impact climate change. And so now that's part of their portfolio is really fascinating. Um, so there are, you know, just coming from Expo West, I just could not believe the excitement around the regen movement. And then as an offshoot upcycling as well, but um, you know, all these things that we're starting to be in tune to, they're no longer just like, you know, uh, slap, slap it on the bag. I mean, these are things, projects that we're all digging pretty deep into, and there's a ton of, you know, intelligent people working behind the scenes to, to set these programs up. Um, like we just became one of the founding partners of the soil carbon initiative. Oh, cool. So, we're, you know, within 10 years to get a hundred percent of our acreage to be totally regenerative and, you know, that just didn't exist. We, Brady, my, my partner and husband in life, right. We, he's been giving us regenerative agriculture presentations since day one at seven cents, but to actually be a part of a formal program now is pretty awesome. That's really cool. Um, so I'm curious, your story is, is, is one with lot, like it's so long and it's beautiful and amazing and all of these intricate details. I'm curious, like what has been the hardest thing you know, like you start in a farmer's market, you start in muesli, which is this category that's really hard. People don't mm -hmm. know necessarily what it is here in the States. You jump into cold cereal with sunflower, like an ingredient that a lot of people maybe not necessarily have had in their food itself. Um, yeah. What's been the hardest? Yeah. Um, I don't even know where to start there. I would say, um, you know, number one, it's hard to be heard when you are a lot of things. Um, meaning, you know, we didn't just decide to be a grain-free cereal. We didn't just decide um, to be a low sugar alternative or, um, you know, we have these different, so many different elements of how we've built this brand. Um, and sometimes that makes it a little bit more difficult to be seen and heard. Um, and I've, I've found that out. And I think ultimately what I've learned there is, you know, when you have products that taste good and deliver, your voice can become much louder. And I think as we've broadened our product lines, um, we have been able to achieve that. But, you know, that was something that's just been kind of a recurring frustration over the years is we care so deeply and it's just hard to be heard on a lot of those fronts um, when you think how, of how vast the marketplace is. Um, you know, other things that are difficult, um, you know, we're such optimists and there's still a fair amount of like challenge and even some, you know, kind of like the dirty underbelly of the food system where there's things that just don't make sense. Um, and, you know, whether it's, you know, trying to create a healthier product, but then there's a loophole here whereby, you know, people are able to market this, that, or the other thing and kind of come out ahead, even though, you know, like this matters more. And so there's, there's a ton of just kind of like, um, you know, just big food, um, 
you know, infrastructure in place that makes it hard for a brand like ours who wants to deviate from those infrastructures and, you know, try to say things and do things differently. Um, I know that's sort of a vague thing, but um, I think if you're in this world with me, you kind of get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it is interesting though, Rachel, because like I always say since starting seven Sundays, it really truly has never felt like I'm working when I'm, you know, coming to the office and dealing with all these, there's no shortage of issues, but um, it's such a, it's such a cool space at the end of the day to be creating an item that like, you know, most people can sit and enjoy and it can touch so many different people and um, hopefully like positively impact them or inspire them or at a minimum, like make their morning a little better. So it's, you know, despite all the challenges, I think they do help make all this that much more rewarding at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you can name the issue that you've heard of and we've been through it. So I can also summarize it that way. There you, you know? go. There you go. Um, <laughs> so I have to ask this because we've, we, we know we've talked to, we've met tons of husband and wife teams and, you know, there's always some sort of interesting story behind it. And I know you originally started the company solo, but now you are a husband and wife co-founding team. How is it working with your husband, your partner life, like home life versus seven Sundays life? Like wh what is that like? Yeah. yeah. So we didn't have a ton of hesitations going in. I'm trying to remember way back when, I mean, obviously first and foremost, when it was just me and the company was like, I think we got some target distribution and I was doing everything right. And so I brought Brady in out of sheer necessity. He was free. And um, I just couldn't keep up with what was happening with the business. Um, but we did know right out of the gate that we were very different. And so I always start with that. Like I am a left brain sales and finance and kind of like definitely that CEO sort of role. Brady is highly creative. He's deep and passionate. Um, and he's he's a great project manager. Like he he had done environmental sustainability work for years and was a project manager. And so he naturally took over like operations and marketing. And neither of us want to do the other's job. Like we're like, great, you can make that. I remember one time like going to my very first Whole Foods meeting in Chicago and I was leaving the hotel and Brady was with me and I looked at him and I was like, oh, did you want to come with to the meeting? And he was like, oh, God, no. And I was like, OK, great. So we we are different and we we sort of separate. There's not a lot of like stepping on each other's toes. And from a personal standpoint, I will say this, like I cannot imagine trying to have this family and our three kids and have us doing two different things. Right. It just it feels like that would be impossible um, today, Brady is at home. We're on like day eight of various kids, strep throats and stomach bugs. Oh, no. And so we divide and conquer whoever makes the most sense to, um, to handle that versus seven Sundays. We're on the same page. So our priorities are always completely aligned and I can't underestimate how important that is in keeping like a sane, healthy relationship. Like there isn't a lot of like tension around priorities because we're always aligned, you know, with work or family. Um, and we love to coach our kids and like be really involved in their sports and their different activities. And so, um, having that ability to like tag team, um, really has made our lives easier. Now, if you're sitting in the office with us and like my brother has from the start, he can tell you, like, we don't like 
you know, you also like the way you interact at home in a conflict is kind of you do at work <laughs> for better or worse. So if we are in disagreement, right, that like comes out as a very like informal, you know, oh, Hannah and Brady are disagreeing. Um, so we have to watch ourselves there. But, um, but you know, it's, it's, it's no different than, you know, working on a family in the home front. I mean, that is kind of, you have to be a team there too. Um, and if anything, we're pretty cautious around our relationship, right? Because it has to be prioritized and protected. We know that like deep down, we both know, like there has to be some off limits time, you know, so it's not easy, but um, I think that people judge it too quickly because it does work out. It can work out really, really well. No, I think to your point on you're always in lockstep on your priorities, like that to me just like lit up in the fact that like you both are are focused on the same thing. You want seven Sundays to succeed. You want your family to succeed. You want your relationship to succeed. So like at the end of the day, there's not like you're going to work for X company. Brady's going to work for this company. You both want those to succeed. And then you have like your shared interests. So your priorities yeah. at the end of the day, you want the best for everything that's the same. And I think that really speaks volumes. Yeah. Yeah. There's no tension around, you know, who gets to do what or who's it's it. it there's always like a logical way to structure the day. You know, those, those little things, right? Yeah. Like um, my work, my, I have a bigger meeting than you have. It's like, well, we have the same meeting. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like you just do that. Um, so it yeah. does. Yeah. I think it releases a lot of just kind of like day-to-day stress and which just, even without seven Sundays, right? Like having three kids is, is a Stressful lot. Enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Forget having your own. Yeah. 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 Three kids, period. Done. End. Exactly. <laughs> um, Okay, so as Seven Sunday stands today, you have your muesli, you have the sunflower cereal, just launched your oat cereal. I know you have your early riser keto granola. Yep. And what's what's either I guess twofold is like what is the future of those products as well as like what's what else is maybe we can expect down the road? Yeah, that's a great question. So right now we are like hands off on any sort of innovation uh, for the next 12 months. Um, we have a lot of, I guess you'd call it sort of just like cross channel optimization or, you know, we have this product over here in this channel, but we haven't actually launched them at all in retail. So we have a lot of um, just sort of saturation that we can do with our current products. Um so it's kind of a fun spot to be because we know, you know, that the products work, um, you know, at a high level, even the brand new cereal, it's only 10 days in and we're feeling like, wow, this is going to be huge. So we have enough there to where we can now just simply focus on, you know, getting our ducks in line and making sure that we can support the growth of the stuff that we have. It's a lot of products for the size of our business is my summary. Um that said, um, we we don't have a shortage of ideas. Um, I think there's a couple of other interesting paths that we're thinking about within the cereal aisle. And then I also think that um, our brand would really lend itself well beyond cereal. So that's sort of a fun thing to think about, right? Um, you know, while we've only ever created cereals, they've sort of run the spectrum uh, muesli to oatmeal. We actually have an oatmeal right now um, that that is not widely distributed, but really awesome product 
we have our cereals, we have our keto line. Um, but thinking about different parts of the breakfast aisle is also really fun. Like how can you be called seven Sundays and not have a pancake mix? I mean, that's just like a no brainer. Um, you know, we will be cautious about entering other categories beyond cereal. It's new buyers. It's you know, probably new consumers, all of that. Um, but that is absolutely, you know, on our radar long-term is to expand the brand to other categories, even as far as sort of healthy morning snacking, like that kind of thing. Yeah. I love that. Um, okay. So we like to ask all of our guests how they subscribe to wellness. So what are some things that you do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to be able to show up not only for seven Sundays, but for your family, friends, kids, everyone. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Um, I would say physical health is really important to me. Um, I love to run and I love to be active. Um, and so my dad actually once said this to me, like, you know, at the end of the day, if you had kind of a crappy day, but you got like a run in, it's not that bad, right? Like you got outside, you got fresh air. Um, so I'm pretty consistent about getting some sort of physical activity, ideally outside. I live in Minnesota. So I just picked up, um, you know, skate skiing, cross country skiing. this oh, last month. Yeah. So fun. Yeah. And Brady and I are the same way. Like we don't touch each other's time where we can, you know, that we have to go be active. Um, we make sure that that's prioritized. Um, and then I have my, my, you know, my mental health stuff, um, which is a lot of journaling. I'm a big proponent of the five minute journal concept, which is just like a simple reminder of like, what did make today great? Like if you really break it down, you know, or what could have made it better? Like those simple questions to just remind you of what things do make you feel good. Um, and, and, and then, you know, to focus on those things and not other things going forward. Um, and then my final thing is I am huge into food. Obviously, uh, I started a food company, but even more than that, um, my happy place is in a grocery store, like the local co-op or entertaining. I make a lot of food, you know, from scratch for my kids and my family. Um, it's both mental health, but I think too, just along the same lines as seven Sundays, I do feel like eating real good food does make a difference in all of our health, mental and physical. Um, so I do lean very heavily into, um, you know, just being inspired by uh, really good new recipes that are full of vegetables and things and getting my kids to explore flavors they're not used to. Last night we had ginger sober noodles, you know, so like just exploring food within our house and making sure that that's a, a prominent part of our lives is, is important. I love that. What's your, what's your favorite thing to cook? Um, or you know, bake. I say I'd be vegetarian in an ideal world, but with the family, we, we eat everything. Um, but you know, here's something funny. I am on, I, I love bread too. I'm, I'm a carb person through and through. So I make my own sourdough. And I love things that are really simple. Right now I'm on a huge kick with a buttered radish sandwich, which sounds ridiculous, but you take really good homemade sourdough, toast it, spread it with salty butter, load it up with radishes, maybe a little arugula, more flaky salt. And then you just turn that bad boy into a sandwich and call it a day and it's out of control. So really simple, crunchy texture stuff. 
Um, but I like, uh, yeah, I like to cook a lot of stuff, mainly, mainly vegetarian, I would say is my specialty. I'm not so good when it comes to grilling and <laughs> like roasts or things you, like that. Have you guys seen any like crazy inventive ways that people eat or use like seven Sunday cereals or, or like any of your like products? Oh yeah. I mean, that's what Instagram's for, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the muesli is more versatile, so people will bake it, you know, with an egg and milk and turn it into a lovely, like, weekend brunch meal, um, you know, hot, cold, cookies, you name it. Like, the muesli is very versatile, and we do a lot with it at home as well. It's kind of like an easy way to add nutrition to your pancake mix um, or what have you. Um, the cereal is a little bit more straightforward. I think what's been fascinating to me is how much of our cereal is consumed at night versus the morning. Um, it almost feels like it's weighted more towards an evening snack than it does. Now I haven't done the research to prove that, but um, so it's not so much a usage as it is um, in just a time of day or even an afternoon snack. You know, it seems to be beyond like that breakfast meal time, which I get our family does mainly cereal in the morning, but we a hundred percent all have a bowl of cereal at night. Like that is our thing. Um, do you think that leans that, do you think that all speaks to your consumers maybe being more like adult heavy? It could be. Um, I see the kids eating it though. Well, no, I a, mean, I know you're, I know kids are eating the cereal, but that just means that like, you're also touching in this like other. Yes. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I think it's, adults love cereal. I think ultimately a, a lot of us, especially sort of like my generation, we grew up with the sugary stuff, but we can't really quite take ourselves, get ourselves to buy it today. Right. We know inherently that it's, it's not good for us. So if something can take us back to that nostalgic experience, like we're on board because cereal is like the beauty of it is so easy. It's like the quickest thing. And then you get this crunch and you get the milk and you get the whole experience. Um, and they're, you know, aside from like the salty snacks and sweet bars, like, I mean, I am a big consumer. We have a big family who likes to eat a lot and, you know, finding stuff that's easy like that is hard, which is why we fall back on cereal a lot. Why a lot of people do. Yeah, no, it's, Hey, I eat it in the morning, at night, whenever. whenever. <laughs> um, where can our listeners find Seven Sundays or learn more? Yeah, well, I would invite everybody to go to our website. It's a wealth of information. You can meet Odie now who's there um, and just learn about who we are. You can even connect directly with us through the contact us form. Um, I see everything that goes through that, that channel of communication. Um, but yeah, I mean, keep your eye out for seven Sundays products. We're nationwide in Whole Foods, um, Sprouts. Um, we do a fair amount of business in the club channel with Costco, um, some Safeway and Albertson stores, a lot of like natural food stores and specialty stores. Um, Amazon's been a good partner to us. And then of course, um, you know, our direct to consumer business is fun too. I'm right behind this wall is our warehouse crew and they are awesome. They're fast. Sometimes they throw extra treats in the box. So you can also always find us directly too. Amazing. Hannah, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. 
feel free to rate, review, and share the podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Wellness. If you'd like to sponsor us, please see the supporter link in our podcast bio. We hope everyone has a great rest of week filled with wellness, and we'll see you next time.